Welcome to A Bitter Jury, a show recapping all things in the Big Brother universe, of course. It's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded a podcast here on this feed, and in those past few weeks, we found out who was crowned the Big Brother Canada Season 10 champion. In the end, it was Kevin Jacobs bringing joy to the world of Daniel Westoff and Big Brother Canada fans everywhere as he somehow schemes his way to the title. Of course, in the end, Kevin knocks off Josh. In the final eviction, we had Marty voted as the season's favorite player. So many things for us to recap here on today's show. And joining me, as they always do, to do just that, the two other men who help sit on this bitter jury here uh, that host this podcast, of course. Let's start where we always start. A man who it's been far too long since I've had the free uh, opportunity to speak with. Excuse me. A man who I'm unsure how he'll feel following Kevin Jacobs' run to the title. Of course, it's our fan and uh, friend and Big Brother fanatic. Of course, I am a fan of his. Our friend Charles Matthews. Charles, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. I mean, my boy won. So, um, <laughs> I mean, that that's all I could say, and I can be done for the whole rest of the podcast. So, okay. I'm good. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to Charles in about 45 <laughs> minutes. But, of course, no, it is great to have you here. And, obviously, yes, I know that brought joy to your heart. But the man who was most excited, in my opinion, perhaps of any fan in the Big Brother universe to see Kevin take the title is the super producer of this show, my better half, and, of course, the third member of our bitter jury. His name is Daniel Westoff. Westoff, I had the experience of watching the final with you, and we watched the episodes after the champion was named. I did not know who was ultimately going to win the title. You did. And yet I felt you feel the nerves of Kevin's run through the final three. We are now two, three weeks in, you know, past that final eviction. Have you recovered yet? I'm not sure if you have. Um, you can say I've recovered. Um, I, I, first I have to do, I do have to shout out. Uh, I am not the OG fan of Kevin. It is Charles. You were on the first. <laughs> you were on the first episode picking Kevin, and I was, I think, bashing him a little bit. Uh, so, uh-huh. uh, I, I guess that just goes to show the transformation I had over this season. That when it comes to the finale night, I'm the one getting the accolades as the Kevin fan. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, um, I mean, you all I, do live together, so it's a little easier for him to. That, to that is true. I'm always chirping in his ear about this and that, but no, I have mixed feelings because. Uh, I am sad to see what I think is probably a, I'll go conservative, top three season of Big Brother I've ever uh, seen. And, you know, my fandom goes back to probably season 10 or 11 of U.S. Uh, So I'm a little heartbroken there to see it come to an end. Uh, but also thrilled that I finally get to cancel my NordVPN account because I'm <laughs> so sick of trying to watch these Canada episodes through the journey it takes every single time we try and turn one on it's i'm just happy that big brother us is coming back and my youtube tv has it pre-recorded and we're good to go see my thinking was that always you projected yourself onto kevin is that you think if you were to win a season of big brother it would have to be in the fashion of kevin although let me just tell you right now and i say this literally from the warmest place of affection, which I think people will think, is he about to diss Daniel Westoff? No, I am not, but I am in the context of his Big Brother game. Westoff, you're the worst liar I've ever met. 
Like, you can't lie. You literally, and I say this loving about you. Like, that's not your thing. You're an honest, you're just a kind human being. Like, Kevin was married. He was various different jobs. He lied to literally every person in the household, which, by the way, game is game. And that's just game. But, like, you would not, I just, I can't see you pulling off the lies. I agree. I mean, any Big Brother fan has like played out the fantasy in their head of like, what player would I be in the house? And like, I've learned, especially living with you, and I, it's not <laughs> not confrontation with you, but your love of politics and, yeah. <laughs> and debates. I've learned that one, I can't lie very well, and two, I don't handle the stress of like <laughs> high intense debate very well. So, um, I, I, the. A, a player like Kevin gets mad respect for me when you can see him not only be able to keep track of the hundreds of lies he told, but also to like keep his calm and cool under pressure. Like I always go back to that when oh, Gino was in the bedroom, just like, all right, the five of you are here. Which one of you voted me out? And uh, Kevin just having to be like defending Helena and just like under pressure. Like, yeah, I, I'm not sure I'd be a very good Big Brother player, but that's why we're podcasting. And as you listeners can tell, it's going to be a free-flowing podcast. We're going to recap our final thoughts on the season, talk about the winners, the losers. I want to ask both of you guys questions. Charles, I swear I'm going to get to you momentarily. But you know who Westoff's comparison is as a player? And you know Westoff a little bit, so I actually think this comparison might resonate with you, hopefully our podcast listeners will get to know Daniel Westoff quite well. I actually think he'd be the Betty of of like <laughs> any season he competes in. And here's why. Oh, wow. No one openly disliked Betty throughout the course of this year. Yeah, she had rivalries due to the game. And I think you could easily have a Marty the way Betty had a Marty. And if you were on the block six out of seven weeks, which could happen because you'd be like, yeah, put me up as the pawn. Like no, everyone in this house likes me. No one's going to send you home, Westoff. So I could see you on the block five times in the first nine weeks and escaping all five of those on the block. At the same time, you talk about that stress. You would have your, I'm not leaving Marty moment. In, like, the moment you won your first power of veto, Charles, am I crazy to call him Betty? Okay, so truthfully, I have a hard time agreeing just because I couldn't stand Betty and I actually <laughs> liked Daniel. So I'm trying to remove that from, from my answer. I think I would probably gravitate toward saying that he would be a little bit more of a Marty for me, but I see where you're coming from with, with the Betty. Like, yeah. I, I, Oh, I that's oh, That's actually a great comparison because he could a hundred percent get caught up in someone's move and then just get flustered. And then mm-hmm. when he wins the, the head of household competition, just be like, yeah, I voted for you, Gino. Like I was told <laughs> to, who else wants to admit it? The problem is then they'd be like, who else did it? Westoff would be like, it was Helena. It was, it was Kevin. <laughs> It was, no, I'm just kidding, Westoff. I think you'd be excellent at the game because, again, I think everyone would like you. And you could pull off a better version of what Josh did. That's your best form is Josh. Worst form. <laughs> worst form. It's not a bad form. I just think you could be a Betty as well. And not a coincidence. They were friends. Yeah, no, I think you want me to be a Betty. Uh, <laughs> but I am definitely more of a Josh and not in the athletic dominance of Josh, but more of the gets along with everybody. 
And when it was time for him to lie, it literally ate him up inside and ruined his game, and he couldn't lie, and it just yeah. the bottom fell out. So I, that's what I would project for myself. You also could be a sneak crier. I could see you crying a sneak. Oh, out. there was a whole episode Charles and I did on our own without you, Gruskin, and we did a whole ten minutes on how we're both big criers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't be as ugly at it as some of the people. Yeah, in this no, show. no ugly cries allowed. Yeah. All right. With that in mind, again, full season in the books. Let me ask you this, Charles: Who would you like to think you are as a character? Who do you think you are as a character? You know, who is it in reality? Wow. Um, so I think I know, have pride- some answers. Okay. 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 Pridefully, you know, I'm going to say Kevin. Um, you know, again from the get go. That's the style of game that I gravitate toward. You know, I made the evil dick reference of just constantly <laughs> lying and and being okay with it. Uh, you know, I think it's kind of sad that all of my friends that know that I'm Big Brother fans um, think that I would do well at the game because I have no issue lying to people. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, on the flip side, I am a little bit of a softy as well. Um, you know, I'm a big relationship oriented person. And if I have a relationship with you, then I'm all in a hundred percent. But on the flip side, if I don't, then I like, fuck you, um, at the end of the day. Um, so I think (laughs) I would definitely end up getting hurt and having some moments, but I would probably not give a shit because at the end of the day I'm poor and if I have a shot at winning any amount of money more than what I have I'm going to do whatever the hell it takes for me to do that. All right, let me test that theory then. If you're Would in Josh's you have shoes, sent Betty home. Yeah, there right. it is. Yeah. Yep. If, if you're in Josh, if you're in Josh's shoes, and and don't, we're not thinking about whether it's the right or wrong move. But could you have cut Betty twice? Cut Betty, built it back up, and then on finale night, cut her again because that is the real savage move that I highly doubt I could make. Yeah, you know. I say yes, but I'm not in the house. So, you know, obviously the bonds that you make there are, are really tough. But selfishly, again, I I would go into it knowing that it's all just a game and that if I did make this bond with someone, you know, so again, in the in the situation of Josh and Betty, I'm going to go into it and say, I came here to win. Our Our friendship is now also a second priority to me but if you can't get over this then that's more on you than it is me and i'm gonna do what it takes to be done i'm i'm moving on honestly it's kind of how betty reacted surprisingly because unlike the name of this podcast the bitter jury we had a surprisingly non-bitter jury like and that's what i didn't think that's the definition of a good big brother season is if when we get to the end Yeah. If the majority of the people in the jury can take a step back and play and and pick a winner based off you know what they think a winner is and not off their personal vendetta, uh, that's what I I think can save a season, even if it's not the best season you've ever seen. And we've seen great seasons like Paul Big Brother eighteen, where you know you watch the show, you think he's an automatic winner, and then he loses, and it kind of just taints the season. So thank God this Big Brother cast. Uh, you know, you had Marty, who was all about Kevin, even though Kevin lied to his face. Betty got cut twice by Josh. She voted for Josh. Like, we, we had, uh, Summer's still bitter, but whatever. 
<laughs> There's a we had eight non-bitter juries, so or well, seven. It was an extraordinarily level season. I do think that was one of our takeaways. At no point was there a clear-cut favorite. Yes, you had duos: Josh and Betty, Kevin and Helena, J.C. Lynn and Gino, but predominantly there was no clear-cut force. It could never be Marty because he had so many foes that he had built up throughout the course of the season. With all of that said, and we're just, you know, again, we're not going to recap episodes. We're not going to recap individual challenges as we have in previous episodes. We're just going to talk big picture. And shout out to you, Super Producer Daniel Westoff. All of this podcast editing has worn off well. You transition us perfectly. The biggest decision of the season, ultimately. Josh wins the final head of household. The decision is up to him. Keep Kevin. Keep Betty. He decides to send Betty home. To you, Charles. Was that the right pick? Would you? What was your reaction to it? Uh, gosh, it's been so <laughs> long since I watched. Um, right decision, yes. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, and you kind of said it already, in this house, Betty, everyone loved Betty, right? So I think we're and having her in a final two position was a really scary place because she was on the block so much. She saved herself multiple times. And at that point, people are going to recognize that. So you can't, I mean, obviously again, outside looking in at, at that point, you can't risk taking someone like that to final two. There, There's absolutely no way. So, I mean, at the end of the day for me, right decision for sure. So, why I disagree? Well, you know what? I'm going to save my opinion. Super producer Daniel Westoff, save same question to you. Yeah, no, I th- I think you're on 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 it there. I'm I'm a bit conflicted, but you know, from the outside, it was obvious to all of us watching that like Kevin just had a a bunch of cards in his back pocket that he was ready to play on finale night about moves he made that was under the radar. Um, but honestly, like. The finale of Big Brother is such a – I, I don't know the right word to say. Not strange, but it's like it's its own thing as in like say Kevin uh, you know, doesn't have – so the point I'm getting here is Kevin put uh, – Helena was in the jury able to advocate for Kevin. If that had not been there and we got to jury night or finale night and the jury – wasn't already aware of some of the moves that Kevin had made behind the scenes, it's really tough in a Big Brother finale to get out a lot of new information to the jury because really you have four questions from jurors because um, each each uh, finalist gets, you know, half the jury asks them a question. So you have four opportunities to give like a one-minute answer and then you have like two minutes to give a speech. So in that like five minutes, you have to explain your whole game. And if you're a Kevin type player and that's behind the scenes, then from Josh's perspective, like, yeah, if he didn't know about it, he was, he probably thought the whole jury didn't know that I thought Kevin was a weak player. He had never won any competitions. Like, yeah, he made it to the final round and went overtime with Josh in the, in the finale, like the third part of the, um, of the final HOH. Um, 
but yeah, if, if, if I were Josh, I'd be looking at Kevin and I'd be looking at Betty and being like, wow, Betty's got multiple POV wins. She has an HOH of her own. She's survived the block. So everyone likes her. And we've got Kevin over here who accidentally won a competition because Gino can't spell and did make good in one competition is never one in the house. It's like an obvious choice there. So I don't really blame Josh for making the decision. I also think it was really lucky of Kevin to have Helena be able to go to that jury um, conversation and to in that like hour long conversation they had to be able to kind of lay out Kevin's game and like warn the jury like, hey, there's a real player in there and it's not just a pawn. Well, that was the problem is that for all because to Charles point from a facade standpoint for Betty to win as many powers of vetoes as she did and get herself off the block as many times as she did. For those of us at home, we get to see the behind the scenes, the backstabbing, the lying. In the house, you don't get to see that. You can understand why superficially Josh thought Betty was the stronger player. Now, there's also, of course, the relationship the two of them have, and you already addressed it. To throw that aside, it's a hell of a decision, and that speaks to the work that Kevin did throughout the course of the season to just keep every move he made under the under the guns and just under the radar. And you talked about the speech. I have only watched two full seasons of Big Brother. That's got to be the best speech in Big Brother finale history. He addressed every player, addressed each of the each of the relationships he had with each of those players, why they helped his game, how he used them to help his own game as well. It was as condensed and perfect of a pitch as one could have hoped for. The continued sort of preparation we saw from Kevin in nailing the nuances of this game that despite some of the physical struggles allowed him to continue to advance. Now again, from a Josh perspective, I still disagree. I think even on the facade, yes, Betty was the survivor. No doubt about that. Look at the home stretch. Look at the challenges that mattered when it was winning time. Josh won the biggest events in the biggest moments, whether it's the final three competition, the triple eviction competition, which I believe he won, if memory serves me correct, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel Westoff, but Josh down the home stretch had the stronger resume in the end, in my opinion, than Betty. And I think if he's thinking big picture, don't Kevin and Helena recognize that? And if you make the choice between him and Betty, don't they have to make the argument, well, you know, instead of making the pro-Kevin argument, it's, well, we were working with Josh. And to be honest, he was just too good at competitions down the home stretch. We had a plan to eliminate him. We weren't able to do it. To me, that's the case for picking Betty, Charles, is that Josh down the home stretch was better than her. And I think the people on the jury who liked them both equally would have become aware of that fact as opposed to, I mean, again, I say that knowing what Kevin's resume was. I guess to Josh, he looks at Kevin and it's a nothing sort of player, but I still think he beats Betty and he feels better about himself. Like to me, that's why it was the pick because I still think A, you beat Betty and B, you feel better about yourself. I don't know. I, I'm still going to disagree. You know, I think that, you know, for once, you know, I think this is probably the um, one of the only things that I've been able to take knowing everything, quote unquote, you know, into consideration when answering, uh, because obviously, like you said, Josh didn't know what Kevin had done. But on the flip side, you know, that's another one of those things, too. You could also pose the question. 
I feel as if he probably had an inkling of Kevin's dabbling in a little bit of everything. And, you know, as close as he and Betty were, you also have to think Josh had a lot of intimate conversations with Kevin throughout the season as well. And probably, you know, with, with the guilt that he felt and, you know, making these final two promises and all, and all those sorts of things probably also subconsciously felt that he, you know, needed to throw Kevin a bone and, and, and keep him around as well. Mm-hmm. West off. I, yeah. I, I mean, I see your point and I, and I kind of do agree with parts of it. Like just straight up, look at the final four. When you cut Betty, you're lucky that she voted. Like Josh is lucky that she voted for him. Like, honestly, I thought that was like, you cut Betty, you throw Betty's vote away completely. Whereas you cut Kevin I think Josh has a play where he's like, look, it's Betty. It's my ride or die. I know I cut her earlier, but I learned that lesson. And so then you kind of take some of the heat off of like the drama of that final three cut. And then you can kind of like maybe blunt some of the Betty, like uh, look how much Betty saved herself because now you're team Betty too. And you were there helping Betty through these stages like Josh that's won exact, plenty of competitions so not to yeah. cut you off that's exactly yeah. it is the argument against Betty is well she's only there because of Josh and I know there's a lot of things to unpack in saying that statement but down the home stretch Josh was the one winning the competitions I agree early on Betty survived because Betty is an extraordinary player she deserved to be in that final three but isn't the argument in the end that well they were a duo who's the stronger player of the duo the end results show it's Josh, Josh. Yeah, that. I'll, oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry. sorry, there's that. There's also like, I think if he cuts Kevin, he gets Kevin and Helena's votes because you yeah, know, they were in the threesome. So it's a two to one vote there. You're getting two instead of one. Um, and then on top of that, uh, where was I going with the last point? Go Gino, ahead, Charles. I'll, I'll, I'll come Moose, back to it. Any of them? Yeah, go uh, ahead. Um, you know, in, in talking about this, something else just kind of hit me that. Um, I wouldn't have thought of, but he also could have been thinking that he was going to gain votes by cutting his ride or die. Because this house, if you remember the Marty Gino conversation and, um, you know, even earlier in the season, everybody was on Gino, like, oh, you know, you have to be the one to cut your friend. You have to be the one to do this. And so he also could have been thinking along those lines. You know, again, if you have a non-bitter jury that is strictly looking at gameplay, it's going to be very important for votes to think that someone wanted to win this game bad enough that they cut their number two, right? Or their number one, rather. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he might have been thinking that that would give him, you know, a couple extra votes for people to be com- having a conversation and saying, oh, he was willing to get rid of her again, even in this moment. Yeah, he deserves to win. Well, I do think a- this is why Kevin is a justifiable earning winner and seeing the bewilderment on his face when he ultimately wins the event. He he needs to give Helena 15% of the check and just say you <laughs> when he goes back and watches how he pitched how Helena pitched the fellow jury members in that room. He will say Helena, I love you. Like forget my pretend wife you're going on this vacation with me because you earned it <laughs> or like we'll find a way to include you as well well Just, so that's know, i know. that's the point i wanted to bring up i actually think an even bigger moment not wasn't just the final three cut but was the final four cut because 
knowing we were going to record tonight, I went back and did a, a, just a quick recap so I could like refresh my memory. Yeah, like and you needed an excuse. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One more time on my NordVPN account before I came. Yeah. <laughs> as you were deleting it, you were like, should I just yeah. watch one more? <laughs> but um, the episode, the second to last episode starts with Josh saying, we need to get Kevin out of this house. Like Kevin's the target. Kevin needs to go home. And then at the end of the episode, we, we don't really see exactly how it got changed, but there was some shock there when Betty cut Helena because Betty was for Kevin the whole week. She was locked on him. She clocked his game and she was like coming for Kevin. She was like, that guy's dangerous. He's running this game. And somehow in that like two day span, Kevin convinced Josh and Betty to flip to keep him and cut Helena. And honestly, the game could have turned out completely different if the final three was Helena and them. Like the, I think Josh takes Betty, and now we're in that scenario either way. So yeah. uh, I, I, I'm not even watching the post, uh, you know, the post finale interviews. I'm not even sure how that happened, but that was a major swing there. Yeah, I mean, Kevin and Helena had sim. I mean. Again, superficially, Helena had the stronger profile than Kevin heading into those final four. She had actually done more in competitions than he had. And so, again, it's a credit to Kevin for staying under the radar. I actually want to bring this up and and, and see your two opinion on this because uh, I was at a friend's house on Friday and uh, we were having this debate uh, Gruskin, it was Dalton and Hannah. And I was telling them sure. this was – I was trying to tell our friends uh, – Dalton and Hannah, that this was a top two season of all time, Big Brother. <laughs> and and Hannah was like, well, what makes you think that? And I was like, this Kevin guy is the like archetype player that makes a good season. It's someone who has an inability to win the competitions and has to find another way to dominate the game. And I think that is the be- that's when Big Brother's at its best. When you see someone who's like at first glance a weak player – but then when you study them, you're like, holy shit, look at everything they're doing. Like they're running this game and everyone's blind to it. Like that's why I love Big Brothers to see those type of players. And I and I Hannah's feedback to me was like, oh, I, she, I'm paraphrasing here, but she was like, that's not the type of player I root for. She's like, I want someone who wins competitions, who's like dominant on that front and has a good game on top. And she like threw out Tyler from season 20 and like, yeah, he's one of my favorite players too. But like, it just like... It's such. It feels better when you see a Kevin win, and you're like, that guy couldn't win a competition all season, and he won the game somehow. Like that yeah. to me, like that's the payoff I'm looking for. So, like, in your all's opinion, what is the type of player, the best type of player to win the game, and, and most enjoyable for you to watch uh, when you're watching? Uh, Charles, you first, because you're you've watched more than two seasons. I'll let Gruskin <laughs> yeah. collect the thoughts. I'll just say I don't know if I have enough data. <laughs> Gruskin, your Enzo yet. can't be the your answer. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't have enough data, so yeah, all, all right. of you, Charles. Speaking of Enzo, did you see that he's going to be on the challenge on CBS? He got the that. promotion. He got the yeah, call up from the. I'm minor actually going to watch that. The challenge. Like yeah. half yeah. of BB23 is on it. So yeah, Tiffany is on there. Also, Anywho. Big Brother fans might get mad that I call Big Brother the minor leagues to the challenge major leagues. But like, come on. <laughs> We all know the contracts. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, to answer the question, though, truthfully, and this is this may be a little bit of a, a cop out answer. It depends for me. You know, I think I'm a big personality person um, when it comes to watching. Um, and again, you know, as you both know, just when we started this, there was something about Kevin just right out of the gate that 
my initial opinion of him was, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be super strong. And my opinion of him being super strong, again, even just looking at him physically was not going to be an assumption of him winning comp after comp, Um, you know, but some of the other players that I have loved over the years, you know, I am a huge Janelle guy. I am a freaking huge um, Jeff guy. I mean, no, who? Rachel? Are you a Rachel, Rachel guy? I, I, I am, but that's a, you know, so uh, okay. We're gonna disagree there. I, hey, hey, I that's too Rachel, far for so. me. I, I like but, uh, Janelle, but I, Rachel's too far. Hey, I, I'm a Brinchel fan, so. Um, <laughs> oh, I enjoyed but, the Brinchel dynamic in that season. <laughs> it's like everything. Po- every time they bring her back, I'm like, God, yeah, yeah. like, shh. Yeah, yeah. Sh- but no, I, I think if I had to pick one, I, I definitely want a good balance because I do want to see someone manipulate, but I want to see someone be able to win when it counts. But I think that there's something very, 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 very large to be said and something important to be said about someone who can manipulate and not win throughout the season. Um, again, the jury is also a big part of that because it depends on on what those people look at. Um, but from an entertainment standpoint, I want to see manipulation and I want to be able to fist pump with you when you pull yourself off of the block, you know, at a, at a, at a pivotal uh, veto win. I think that's fair. I would say why Kevin was such a good winner for this season is that in a season where, again, physically, Marty, Gino were the two biggest threats. The biggest what if of this season, and if you're, you know, I don't believe in putting asterisks next to titles. I believe in putting footnotes. The footnote you have with Kevin is that Gino let himself pick a fucking gummy bear. Like, that is one of the inflection points of the season where if he's not an idiot, then the whole dynamic changes because Gino and JC Lynn are still a power uh, duo, and Marty, you know, again, they're going to win some physical competitions. Gino and Marty could have alternated the rest of the way. And yes, Gino wanted to take a swipe at Marty, but that is a massive footnote. I think, given those two being the position that they were, again, this season felt open from the start. There was never a clear front runner, never like we just saw in Big Brother America. There was never the cookout as an alliance just dominating everything. Five players clearly coordinated across, you know, their efforts. That never existed at any point. We saw routinely flips and all of these different you know, inner house dynamics define the season. And that's why it does feel right in the end that it was the manipulator, the, you know, one pulling the strings in Kevin, who ultimately ends up with the title with that in mind, Charles, did the right player win? Like if not Kevin, who should have won this season? Because my answer is Gino. Like I I hate to say it, but I do think if it wasn't going to be Kevin, it would be Gino not being stupid about the gummy bear and just again, physicaling his way perhaps to the title. All right, taking the accent away and oh. trying not to be biased. Oh. I think had he made it, and this may be a little controversial with some people, but I, I feel as if Marty had a shot if he could have gotten gotten there. Yeah, I um, should have said Marty slash Gino would be my pick because the mm-hmm. two very similar in the ways they had success, right? When the actual game was being played, they were winning. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, the jury makes the ultimate decision, and thankfully we've gotten to see that these people could, 
you know, eliminate being butthurt and being able to make a decision. And I think in spite of, you know, some of the decisions that Marty made, had he gotten to one of those final two chairs, of course, depending on who's there with him, that they would have been able to look and say, oh, wow, he actually played. Um, And I mean, he played a hell of a game. So, no, I I think that's a good pick. Westoff. No, I, I, I agree. I think Gino probably wins this season seven out of ten times. Um, I don't agree with the Marty thing. Like I, I see the similarity between Gino and Marty, but in my opinion, the difference, Marty, uh, both of them could win competitions against most of the house. Like really, it was just Josh, Marty, and Gino, um, and sometimes you know JC Lynn or whatever. But those are the three dominant winning competitions. Marty outside of winning competitions was just so easily manipulated that like he, he had no chance. Like he was never going to get to the final because he couldn't keep things straight in his head with who were his alliances and where true. he was going next. That's so, true. uh, but Gino, honestly, Gino wins this game. If like, if he comes into the game with Kevin's, uh, love of big brother, his preparation, uh, his, uh, just like, just the ability or just his effort level. Like there were weeks where Gino just laid around with JC Lynn and did nothing. Just let everyone else build an alliance around him and use him in that alliance as an athletic person. If he would have taken the Kevin route and just tried the whole game and worked his ass off every week, he wins the game every time. I think like there are weeks where, you know, Kevin sees who's HOH. He's like, Oh no, it's Gino. And he's like, Oh, I'm screwed this week. And then he gets to work. And by the end of the week, you know, uh, we've got, I I don't even remember at at this point who was out on which weeks, but it it seemed like every week it would start off in a place where Kevin was at a huge disadvantage. And by the end of the week, the person he won was gone. And every single week, Gino started in a place of advantage most of the time and then just like let it slip out of his hands because other people were going to work. So, uh, yes, I agree. Gino probably could have won the season, but I guess I'll disagree that he's not, he should not have because he didn't put in the effort. No, it was, again, it was a very fun season. I agree. The best prepared player who was turned on from day one, never took a moment off, oh, no. always playing the game. Let me mention this here. Cause I've watched some post uh, season interviews and like, it wasn't just that Kevin researched, you know, watching old seasons, like in an interview with Rob has a podcast, uh, he was talking about, he read the, like, uh, what is it? The negotiator's handbook. He was talking about, he would go into conversations and he's not just thinking about what he wants out of the conversation, but he would strategize in his head ahead of time, the way he wanted the conversation to flow. Like he would purposefully try and ask questions in a way to get affirmative answers from people. So rather than to be like, do you want Gino to go home? He And someone would be like, no. He'd be like, well, do you want anyone besides Gino to go home? And they'd be like, yes. And so it, it would give them an empowerment in the conversation. And then he'd start steering it towards where he'd want of Gino to be gone or whatever his goal was that week. And just like that amount of detail and preparation and just it, it blows my mind that uh, you, you rarely do you see someone come on the show and just like be that prepared. Like he no. really came for it. I mean, I think that's fair. I agree with you. I mean, again, as we look towards final questions here, wrapping up the season, 
Marty wins Canada's favorite player. I agree. Marty at times was just the impetus of everything happening in the house. I'm glad fans everywhere appreciated it. Certainly you did as well, Charles. As you look again, final thoughts towards this season. Are there any moments, any particular things that stand out that you think should be carried over into the seasons that follow? Oh gosh, I have so many things, but we'll we'll try to give an abridged version. Um, <laughs> one, you know, the notes, you know, just looking back over, you know, as we recap everything, Canada's comps are still so hard. Watching the fucking first round of the final HOH, and I'm like, there's no way in hell I'd want to do this shit. Um, Two, I'm going to circle back to something just because I'm curious now um, that you all asked earlier. So you asked me who I thought I would be like as a character, and you evidently had an opinion of who you thought I would be like. I want to hear that, and two, I want to hear um, Daniel of who he thinks he would be. Well, and I'm going to incorporate who I think I would be. Um, Perfect. Sorry. Here's the thing. I think you'd be in a Kevin Helena type relationship where early on you'd be like, hey, I'm going to fuck around quite a bit in this house, but just know it's for the purpose of advancing us. The problem is, Charles, you're a very likable guy. And so I think people would grab, would see that and A, be like, this guy can play to win. We might have to take him out. B, I mean, again, you're. I don't think you get in open arguments with someone, but on the wrong week, like someone could spite revenge you in a way like they're never going to spite revenge West off, right? So <laughs> when I think about the right player comp for you, I mean, it's got to be someone who's good enough to win comps. So again, I think there's shades of Helena and Kevin in like you would be in that sort of dynamic – but then you could get Hermond as well, where everyone's just like, hey, this guy's going to win. Like, let's just take him out now. Hey, I'll, I'll take that, actually. So I, I don't, I don't really like Hermond, but sure. No, it's more like, again, it's the physical comp. The, it's the combination of comp strength where it's like, hey, this guy is good at this game. We need to beat him. I like it. Thank you. Yeah, versus Westoff, who's bad at this game. It could flow through. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, who, um, who do you think's my comp? Moose. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> Honestly, That's you exactly lit- what you're literally Moose. Say. You're like the life of the party, but you don't really understand the game because you've only watched one season. <laughs> yeah, the problem is I'm getting smart to it. I think I'm, I'm Moose. He was getting smart to it, to it, but like two weeks too late. Yeah. I'm, I'm Moose with JC Lynn's ability to pull off leggings, I would say. Oh. That, would be my, that would be my comp. So you're uh, sporting the leggings in the BB house. I mean, I, I first of all, I would be a workout machine. I'd be lifting two hours a day. I'd be like, what else is there to do? Um, like, yeah, let's hang out. And I like the idea of them studying. This was the first season where, like, the concept they clearly study. Yeah. So and, like, I actually, they, they I wrote that in my notes, and I don't know the answer to this. Do they have like a study guide? Because they must. They, they must. have to be given something because these questions are like on day seventy four. How many people? Uh, like yeah. use their left foot. The, no, but, see, the, <laughs> but see, I feel as if, and that could be something I'm going to actually ask. Yeah, ask um, Winston. Winston. No, but it's, I, I truthfully feel like they don't because you have to think though, every, every season that, that I've watched, that's a part of, of their preparation for the game. They're 
taking these huge chunks of time to like sit and write down and remember who did what on what day. And I'm just, now that truthfully would be my downfall. I'm sitting here as they go through the, those sorts of competitions. And I'm like, who the fuck knows who, how many people played in what comp on the 13th day at 12 p.m. and fucking like rolled a three in the competition. Right. That shit's absurd. Yeah. Right. I, but you I, never sorry. see them studying on the live feeds like of from, from like a packet. And I know for for the U.S., like you cannot even have like any sort of writing utensils. Right. Like I remember um, it was – uh, what is her name? Alina, Alana Lopez sure. from the last season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a lot? It's not Alana. I, I think literally, it, is. it might. Anyway, okay, whatever. You, you know who I'm talking about. She got mad because she had this whole jelly bean strategy to remember players in certain situations as she was studying, mm-hmm. and I remember Tiffany stole it from her and then told other people about it, and like there was some drama about that. So mm-hmm. there are like people do come up with ways in the house to study using objects in the house. I don't think they're given like a packet, but. Hell, like that second to last competition in the part three part finale where it was like nope. day thirty, how many people played in the competition and blah blah blah, and then you had to throw your beanbag on like the numbers, and I was like, how do you even know? So they, I mean, I guess they have a lot of time to kill, so I guess they're yeah, studying a lot. When you're asking someone, hey, the day after slop, we all served coffee. Who was first to the restroom? And it's yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like I don't remember. Um, like that's ridiculous. Um, and so I uh, credit to big brother Canada. They really did, uh, pull out all of the stops. I thought the jury just selection process was enjoyable. They kind of let everyone be a celebrity in their own. Um, I'm looking forward to not having to watch the opening credits anymore because they're just burned into my brain. I can see Gino doing his little, Ooh, Ooh, like that little face that he made in between heading into every commercial. Um, yeah, I'm excited to know the little summer shake. Um, but yeah, it's oh, going th- yeah, it's going through my head now. Um, yeah, I, overall 9.1. Like this is a really good season. It wasn't determined too far in advance. I enjoyed the cookout season because I like watching excellence unfold and that was just a beautifully executed plan that ended up ultimately working. But the drama in this se- like this was a better season because again, you never knew who was going to win. Constant turns constant you know flips if you out of 10 charles what do you give this season i'm going nine one and i don't say that lightly i'm going 10 and i don't say that lightly why because i call i called it from episode one yeah kevin was going to win and he fucking did that's a good call west off oh it's a 10 for for you my ex- gotta, you should have bet on it charles bet well on him part win. of it is <laughs> for my expectation level it was like Coming into the season, I was like, oh, my God, I got to watch Canada. Like, how are we even going to watch this? It was like a chore yeah. to, like, get it on my screen. Uh, thank God Charles kept being like, when are we doing this? When are we doing this? Like, thank God, because it this season was a 10 based on that expectation and where it we got amazing. to in the end. The competitions were great. Um, the cast was great. I mean, I – you're a little spoiled, Gruskin, because there are season, there are years we go in Big Brother where like you get a month of steamrolls and you know exactly what's going to happen. So uh, I think the new strategy for anyone going to the house needs to be in the first two or three weeks of the season you're on, go find the most aloof player you can who's manipulable <laughs> or man, manipulatable. Is that the word? Sure. Uh, 
and Min- just make help them become HOH and then be in their ear. And then as soon as they make their nominations, get in their ear again to change them and just create another Kyle chaotic situation. Because I literally think without Kyle's week, the chaos, the mistrust, the just anxiety it caused in the house, I think that ripple effect is what caused there never to be a giant side because no one ever trusts each other because everyone's like, look what Kyle did. So I just think that it made for a beautiful season, that chaos. Um, I was a little worried at first, but uh, we we got to a good spot. Yeah, no, I, I think that's completely fair. And again, with all of that said, we're now what? Two weeks away, three weeks away from the start of the next season of Big Brother America, folks. We are rocking and rolling. And, of course, the Bitter Jury will be back to cover all of that action as well. Again, a massive thank you to you, Charles Matthews. A massive thank you to you, Daniel Westhoff, and to anyone who tuned into this show. This is season one. It's only going to get better from here. With that in mind, Charles, any final thoughts? I can't wait. It's time, you know, this is why we started doing this and, you know, BBUS is around the corner and I hope that we get a cast that is at least half as good as what we just got from Canada. So, um, America, you better bring it. Westoff? Uh, I'd say Charles, enjoy this win now because when we do this next season, uh, our picks will be on podcast and on YouTube. So whoever wins in the U.S. season will be able to actually go back and point to a draft where we drafted players. But I will award you the winner of this season in picking who the winner is. (laughs) Can we ask them to start after Wimbledon? Like, just the idea of it starting July 6th. Wimbledon, Iowa, L.A., L.A., Ay, ay, ay. I'm looking at those first four weeks, Westoff. I'm scared right. already. Those are my favorite weeks is the chaos of the first three. So I'll carry us through that. You can, you, you can pop back in when Zingbot comes around. No, so. oh, Zingbot, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. But with all that said, for the fantastic Charles Matthews, for the super producer Daniel Westoff, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. For the last time for Big Brother season, uh, Canada Season 10, you have been listening to A Bitter Jury. We will see you all in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everyone.